Welcome to another episode of Your Intention Matters. My name is Paul Madot. Thanks very much for joining us today. I have Mike Luizzo. He is sales manager at Robin coming to us from the Northeast in Boston. End of June, month end. Mike, what are we doing on a podcast here? I know, right, Paul? I've got a closing call right after we wrap up here today. So looking forward to our time here together. Well, I appreciate uh, you freeing up the time here. Say hi to everybody and uh, provide a quick intro, and then we'll get into it. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Um, hi out there. Uh, Mike Luizzo. I'm a sales manager at Robin. Joined during a unique time during COVID-19. Uh, started here about just about three months ago or so. Came over from Gartner. So I've got a kind of a mixed bag of experience from direct selling to management. A little bit of legal background as well, which I'm sure we'll cover uh, in depth here today. Okay, good. Well, Mike, thanks for being here. So listen, you touched on it. I, I know that your uh, new career at the moment right now, uh, certainly 2020, uh, anything but what we drew up going into 2020 uh, on, on a number of different levels. Uh, so talk to me how, uh, how, you've, how you've handled uh, the last four months professionally, but also personally. How's the family? How's, how's the new career? And uh, other than, you know, uh, working from home, um, hanging in there okay? Sure. Yes, uh, first and foremost, family's doing well. So everyone, you know, knock on wood, has, has remained healthy during COVID. Uh, the career change, certainly a unique time to start a new job. Between remote onboarding, managing a team that I've yet to meet physically, uh, as I say, it always makes things a lot easier going forward from here. Uh, but so far, so good. Robin really enjoyed the experience and the onboarding, um, you know, as, as much as you can in the uncertain times that we have in front of us. Okay, good. Well, let's get into it then. Your Intention Matters is the title of the podcast. Uh, nothing, nothing's really been given to you. You talked about a zig and a zag in your career. And so if you're ready, uh, let's get into it. You ready to go? I am, yes. All right, let's go back. Uh, 2006, I believe, you're at the U down in South Beach in Miami, uh, graduating with a degree in economics. Uh, let's talk about what you thought you'd be doing because you graduated and then the world entered into another unique period of 2007, 2008, different, you know, issue, but the mortgage crisis was no picnic at all for anybody who lived through that. And so uh, what was your uh, early career like? Sure. So I think I always say this during interviews, my resume screamed law school coming out of undergrad. So I had that intention of looking to go to law school, wanted to work at a law firm to first experience what it looked like up close and personal. So joined Fish and Richardson in an entry-level role and I always joke each year that I was in legal, I went from definitely going to law school to probably going to law school to maybe going to law school to not going to law school. And, you know, worked through 2008 and was relatively young in my career. So I didn't really understand exactly what was happening. I didn't really have a benchmark to use. So I was certain, you know, fortunate to continue my employment without any interruption there. But then got to the end of the road at, at Fish and Richardson and said, you know what, if I'm not going to law school, What's the point of me staying in a legal career where mm. there's a ceiling based on my education? And that uh, ultimately led me looking to a, a career in sales. So, okay. So now so th that was a long time though. How long were you at Fish though? So almost seven, seven and a half years. So, okay. So that's a pretty good stretch there. And so you, your interest in becoming a lawyer, I had a good friend of mine and colleague on the, on the, the podcast a little while back, Mike Brower. 
He's out in Denver. And he wanted to be a lawyer as well. Of course, sales, much like you, was not on his scope at all either. But, you know, his his fascination with, uh, with being a lawyer was what he saw on TV. It was like, at the time, this is how this is how old we are. It's like L.A. law back in the 90s just looked like a glamorous career. And, you know, so, I mean, did you have that? Did you have, like, visions of being in the courtroom? Or did you just really have a passion for 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 the the fundamentals of law it's a, a little of both so i certainly fell into that trap of maybe law and order for myself or and suits. the visuals of suits yeah what it looked like on tv and and how cool it could seem and then a little bit of an element of the strategic side as well so in negotiation some of the chess not checkers approach that you may need in some of the business law applications um and then, like I said, when you see it up close and personal, it's it looks a lot better on TV. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, no, that's fair. And so, Mike, you mentioned that you, you went through a progression of uh, of thoughts around, okay, so here's what I want to do. It, it slowly became you know less and less and less. And yet you're at Fish and Richardson for, call it the better part of eight years, give or take. Do you remember, was your decision like midway through uh, and it just took a long time for you to finally like actually make that decision or was it just like late in your in your tenure there like talk to me about when you first thought about actually making the shift and when it actually happened sure i think with me part of with with law school is it's so difficult especially in boston there's so much competition with the top schools harvard boston college boston university and those are full-time programs. So you would need to quit your job and effectively become a full-time student for three years or the, the night programs, which are still really solid, but then you're sort of behind the, at the end of the line a little bit as far as the prestige goes. So that really factored into it towards the end. And what I wanted to do is test out the sales world in legal. So it's kind of a twist there. Working with some of the partners in the law firm as they started to figure out who they wanted to pitch as clients. So supporting them in new business uh, development efforts within the legal field gave me a good chance to cut my teeth to an extent without needing to make the full shift. And then that gave me the assurance that it was really interesting. I enjoyed seeking out new business. And then it made sense to go out into a traditional sales role. I kind of look at it like being a litigator without a law degree as a salesperson. Right. right? You're almost like that that trial attorney in the courtroom. Instead of a courtroom, you're on Zoom calls or face-to-face looking to you know sell a prospective client on your business same way you're looking to get a jury to get a favorable verdict uh if you're a lawyer yeah that's fair that's a pretty good uh, uh analogy there and uh, for a lot of people who wouldn't know this uh, lawyers for some intensive purposes are are business development salespeople as well right i mean some of them can work for these large firms where they have a healthy client list but i don't imagine most associates just have this plethora of clients they have to go and generate clients as well right so which they don't teach of course in law school and how to fundamentally be you know a, a grinder and a salesperson they, they teach you the fundamentals of law but they don't teach you how to actually get clients as well so so you so you dipped your toe in that avenue a little bit uh still efficient richardson correct yeah and and it's interesting you, you kind of look at it very similar right the associates the partners once they hit their billable hours a whole new cycle starts same way in sales, once the quarter, month, year closes, a new number starts, and it's a continuous cycle that you need to consistently attain your your goals. Uh, because again, in, in the legal sales, these are all numbers-driven, results-oriented professions. So a lot of interesting parallels, even though traditionally it doesn't look like it matches so much 
on paper is legal to sales, but there's um, you know, certainly some parallels beneath the surface. Mm. So, okay, so you, you, you make the decision to move on. Uh, where did you go and what was that process like? Sure. So went over to a company called Griffin Networks. So a little bit, um, I'll call it mature to become a, a BDR for all intents and purposes. So made that move over, really enjoyed the CRO at Griffin in his background. So he had that traditional big company pedigree, had worked at EMC, HP, MicroStrategy, hmm. but at a small, nimble organization. So really had the, the fortunate uh, situation to work beneath him and learn from him and cut my teeth from BDR up to an account executive and then got tapped on the shoulder to help build out a, an inside sales team where historically his sweet spot had been field sales. So he kind of created a, a beta test program at Griffin of a, an SDR program, BDR program, um, trying to model similar to what he had seen at EMC and then really said, you know, I'm not the expert. I'm more of a field sales person, but you seem to find a knack for prospecting, getting in with some of these organizations creatively. Do you have any interest in management? So really that was my first um, foray into management was at Griffin. Um, so a pretty quick learning curve and you know, really enjoyed my time there. At the time, uh, w was that on your radar, uh, management leadership, or was it just, oh, this is, okay, you're asking me, maybe I should do it? It was definitely the latter. It was not something I was actively seeking, but thought it would be a really good opportunity to learn and get a sense if I did enjoy a leadership role. I always like to try to push towards leadership versus management. Sometimes I feel like management sounds like delegating and dictating versus leadership and trying to be creative and strategic. So was really open to the opportunity, but not something I had actively sought. Well, you're still doing it. I mean, different logo on the bag, of course. So you, you, you must enjoy it, I presume. I do. And, um, you know, part of the reason I moved from an individual contributor role most recently, I was at Gartner prior to Robin and really enjoyed helping create a new path, work with people, I feel like coaching is something that I really enjoy at my core and seeing people develop and cultivate their careers. Um, so it's, there's two different routes people can go, right? You can see people that will stay ICs forever and really love it or people that like the management track and the, the coaching and the leadership side. And I really just found myself at Gartner missing that leadership role. And that's what led me over to Robin. You know, the one thing that uh, sometimes I'll say, and if, if anybody is a regular listener, they probably have heard me say this before, that I was a sales manager at one time in my my time at Xerox. And if, if I had to do it over again, I wasn't very effective at all. Uh, I, I wasn't a bad person. I just wasn't. I, I, I managed like, Mike, this is how I did it. So this is how you should do it. It was just a very ineffective way to do, to do things. But I look at my time at Xerox and I think, well, you know, I, I was a trainer there for, for three years. If I had if I had done the training job before I became a manager, I think I would have been a much more effective team leader and sales manager versus uh, sales rep, manager, and then trainer because I, I really got my fundamentals from the training side. And then if I could have done it again, uh, I think I would have been a more effective manager. And so it's funny that you that you um, you, you, may, you sound like you feel the same way a little bit around your coaching and and, mm -hmm. and kind of gravitating to that aspect of the job. Definitely. And it's one of those things, I guess there's really no right way to do it to get into management. In certain cases, I find myself doing a lot of crowdsourcing, reading, looking for best tips and tricks and all that good stuff. Yeah, so I think it's, you know, everyone kind of, now I always joke with my team, three plus one and two plus two get you to the same result. Some people just learn differently. So I think for some people, it's, uh, again, there's no real right route to go down for the management track. 
Well, let's keep going here because I, I'm, I'm dying to get to the part where you decide to join Robin in the middle of uh, what's going on right now. So you're at Griffin. Uh, they kind of give you your shot here. at uh, so, you, so it's your first, technically, your first sales professional job. And then they give you a shot to be a manager as well. And you were there for how long overall, give or take? So is it yeah, Griffin, just about three and a half years. About three and a half years. Okay. So uh, why did you leave? Did something happen there? Um, did you raise your hand or did someone pluck you out? What happened? So a little bit of the method to my madness was Griffin is a really strong privately held organization. I felt like I wanted to get into a venture back startup and came across a role at a company, Cloud Health Technologies, which later got acquired by VMware, which was through Series C funding at the time. And they were looking for a manager for the sales development team. So really like that opportunity to join that venture back startup to get that SaaS experience in a VC backed forum. And then moved over there. So it was me actively looking for just a different um, skill set and resume building criteria. And then moved over to Cloud Health Technologies, now VMware. Would you have taken that job if it was VMware directly initially? Or or, or was the startup part really, you know, kind of the, the um, uh, what's the word for it? I guess the glue or, or the, uh, the interest. Sure. Yeah, it's a really good question. The startup feel is what drew me to it. And part of that reason was to be able to tell that story, to join the startup and see it through its exit, whether IPO acquisition, um, really enjoyed that ability to have that story to tell and build that skill set for your career with venture back startups continuously growing and scaling um, across the world was that that opportunity. So I don't think if it was VMware directly. I would have made that move. Oh, I see. You know, one of the things that I found, you know, and me working for for Xerox for as long as I did, for as for as as many positives as there were in my time there, one of the things that I struggled with when working for a large organization is sometimes they were they to me they move like glaciers. Uh, sometimes there's there's multiple decision makers and things can just take forever to get uh, to get decided upon. Whereas if you're working for a smaller, more nimble organization, there's less you know, uh, chiefs in the, uh, you know, in, in the boardroom and making decisions, you can get it done faster. And so um, d- talk to me about your decision to, to move on from VMware after a couple of years. So part of the reason there was I wanted to get back into a direct selling role to add a little bit more experience on my closing side. So we had seen the acquisition through VMware had come in really great organization, great leadership um, from the CEO down but was looking to get, and again, it's kind of another zig to a zag, was I wanted a different type of selling experience and really gravitated towards the challenger sale methodology. And in doing a lot of research, even trained my team at Cloud Health on Challenger, just finding myself sort of deep in Gartner content. And Gartner had acquired CEB, which yep. had published Challenger, and thought, wow, this is interesting. You know, Gartner's basically selling a... a inanimate object, right? With advisory services and with challenger and the the hallmark of their sales process raised my hand for an enterprise selling role there for just net new business and got that job. So part of the reason too, is saying I need to have enterprise selling at a publicly traded company. I've got privately held company selling experience and management experience. I've got venture backed startup management experience that we've seen from series C to series D to acquisition. Now the next thing to fill in some of the gaps on my resume and my skill set to become a better, better leader and manager 
is more enterprise selling. So moved over to Gartner. So again, a lot of zigs to his ag. And so how was that experience getting going back into uh, being an, indiv- an individual contributor and being again, 100% responsible for what you bring to the table? Did you, uh, was it was it worth doing? Or did you get what you wanted out of that? I did. It was definitely a great experience. I think when you're managing and leading a team, sometimes when you go back to just being yourself and being responsible for yourself, it's almost hard to keep up with what you used to have, these fire drills and, and questions that come up. Now it's just you. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're kind of looking over your shoulder, waiting for the email or a Slack or a Microsoft team message with someone with a question. So it's it, it takes a little bit of retraining yourself to go back to, I'm just responsible for me individually. Um, so really glad I did it and really enjoyed my time at Gartner and the, the fundamentals and the skills that were instilled upon me there. All right. So your decision to move on from Gartner earlier this year, uh, was that yours? It was. It was yours. Okay. So I'm fascinated by this because as we talked about at the start of this, okay, so you joined Gartner, call it a year and a half ago now, give or take, right? Um, Yeah, Mm -hmm. give or take. And so 2019, you know, average year in terms of the world, ups and downs and things along the way and stock markets and sales and everything else. And then 2020 comes along and in Q1, COVID is still, to me, on page 12. It's just, it's kind of there. We knew about it. And then, of course, as February comes along and March comes along, it became, uh, you know, a little more on on, the, on page one. And then, uh, you know, the NBA shuts down and then all the schools shut down middle of March. And then so, but we're still in Q1 here. And so um, I, I'm really curious about what was going on up top around your decision to uh, to shift careers in, in what is probably really a unique period of time in the history of the world. It was definitely um, a moment of, I just want to say, trust in the leadership team at Robin and what I had seen during the interview process at Gartner. You know, Gartner's an organization that takes a little bit of time to get your footing under you just because of the nature of the sale and who you're selling to and had built a strong pipeline, had actually hit a Q1 bonus at Gartner. So I was really off to a fast start. And then part of me said, I'm just looking for a different challenge. Like what's inherently motivating me is that leadership role and being able to build and cultivate a team and help build something. Usually that analogy of building the airplane as you're flying, right? So despite some of the early success at Gartner this year, looked at Robin, saw like the trajectory of the company, the leadership team, what they were looking to do. COVID had been, to your point, a little bit less of a front page news story. And then when I got to the point of finalizing my offer letter, I literally reached out to the VP of people operations. Just want to confirm my offer is still valid because of what's going right. on. Right. So it's, it's literally before I finally hit the eject button from Gartner, do I definitely have a job understanding that it's literally a fluid situation and day by day, you know, things are changing so radically and they had gone to a remote model. Um, so it was a lot of just, what really motivated me was getting back into that VC back startup space and building and leading a team. So as wild and crazy as the timing was at that point and where we're at now, still in some of the uncertainty, if I had to go back and do it over again, I would have done the same course. Well, that's amazing that you would, that, that that's the case. It tells me that you're finding a way to create something here in the last three or four months, uh, you know, in anything but smooth waters. Um, Okay, good. So, Mike, I appreciate you taking the time 
to share your story. It's been a, kind of a wild ride, a wild ride for you. Everything from law and order to you know direct sales, sales management, back into enterprise sales, and then sales leadership again. Uh, you know, tr- while trying to navigate um, COVID. Let me let me close with a couple of questions here. Uh, one is I always like to ask anybody who comes on. Uh, if there was any piece of advice that maybe has been given to you or that has worked for you that you might share for somebody uh, listening right now, what what comes to mind, if anything? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, you need to be happy with yourself, right? And I think the CRO at Griffin did a really good job of that, instilling that on people that it's okay to be in a role and not be successful at it. And you need to know inherently when it's time to move on. Um, so I think oftentimes you'll see a lot of people that just will stay in a role. They may hide out just because they're afraid of making a change. But I think he really instilled that in me that you go after what you're passionate about. Don't feel like you need to check a box and stay at an organization for the simple, simple fact of just staying where it's comfortable. Um, so some of the best advice I got from a leader was really do that. Just that follow your passion. Ah, good. Well, great, great advice. Uh, last question for you. Uh, off business, but you're a Boston boy. Uh, who's your team? Are you, I'm assuming you're a sports fan, but if you're not, it's all right. But if you are, you're a Pats fan, Bruins, uh, Celtics, Sox. Uh, outside of Boston, who's your team? And I, and I tread lightly with this question because I'm a Toronto boy. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm tired of Boston sports winning all the time. So uh, please tell me you're a fan of outside of Boston. No, I'm just kidding. Sure. Um, well, obviously super passionate about University of Miami football. Unfortunately, ever since I got down there, the team has been in a down, downward trajectory. So yeah. maybe I cursed the team from their glory days. But uh, Boston-wise, go with the Bruins. I feel like they've got kind of that grit factor as a team. And it's one of the qualities I look for when I hire people is that uh, intangible, inherent work ethic. And I think a lot of hockey players exhibit that. Uh, so you've got to go with the Bruins. I know it might be a little bit of a, a clash between you and the Maple Leafs, but, um, yeah, it's just some salt in my wound over here right now. Cause all I think when I hear the Bruins, all, all I think about is games, <laughs> game sevens, especially what three to one in the third period with minute and a half to go. Mike, please. It was, uh, tw- <laughs> it was about 10 minutes to go, please. Not a minute to go, please. And, and that was years ago. That's in my rearview mirror. I don't even want to think about that anymore. Absolutely. All right. Well, listen, Mike, I really appreciate you freeing up the time to be here. Thanks for, for sharing your story. And uh, congrats on uh, on what you've, what you've created thus far. And I hope that uh, things continue to be smooth sailing for you um, as we progress out of this with Robin and the company continues to grow and uh, you'll grow with it. So, uh, so keep at it. Thanks, Paul. Really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay, everybody, let's wrap this one up right now. Uh, thanks again for being here. Remember, your intention matters because that's the result you'll tend to get. We're out of here, and uh, we'll do it again next week. Be safe, everyone.